Today's episode of the Locked On NBA podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get 20% off your next order. You are Locked On NBA, your daily NBA podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On NBA season preview. I'm Doug Branson, a producer here at Locked On and a guest host on Locked On Hornets. I'm going to be your guide as we skip across the country, division by division, previewing all 30 NBA teams with the help of our local experts. Plus, we've got Josh Lloyd of Locked On Fantasy Basketball. He's going to give you waiver wire additions to help your fantasy teams. Chad Ford of Chad Ford's Big Board is profiling the rookies to watch and rejecting the screen predicts the future. We start with the Pacific Division, home to the 2019-2020 NBA champion Los Angeles Lakers. Locked on Lakers has the preview. Anthony Irwin here for Locked on Lakers, here to provide the Lakers season preview as we're doing this across the entire network. Going to answer a few questions that, that all the hosts are answering about their respective NBA teams that they're covering, starting with the biggest storyline heading into the season, and that's whether or not this Lakers team could be you know, of the juggernaut variety. And, you know, quite frankly, I, I think it's possible This is a very well-put-together team. It's a lot more explosive than they were last year. I know heading into the postseason, one of the major concerns was the half-court scoring. It wound up not being a concern in the postseason. But usually, teams that rely heavily on transition scoring don't tend to do very well in the postseason. Uh, and, And I think the fact that the Lakers might have been conscientious about that and went in the direction that they did where they beefed up their offense and and brought in guys like Harrell, guys like Schroeder, even Mark Gasol, who are much better in the half court. Uh, that that indicates to me that that was something they really focused on, and and you know if that is, then then mission accomplished. The thing that needs to happen if the Lakers are going to reach that tier of dominance is going to be Anthony Davis and Montrez Harrell figuring it out together and covering up for both of their weaknesses. Harrell isn't a particularly great defensive player. Davis is. Uh, Harrell needs space going to the basket. AD, based on his postseason shooting, might be able to provide some of that. If those guys work out and the Lakers can play a front court of LeBron, Trez, and AD, then I, I'm not really sure how anybody guards that. So uh, that's that's going to be the number one thing on the Lakers. And seeing as they're the reigning champions, that's one of the top things to pay attention to across the entire NBA. Uh, the worst say, case scenario, aside from injuries, obviously, would be Montrez and AD not gelling and Marcus Gasol being washed and Dennis Schroeder not being able to play off ball with, with LeBron. Now, you still have LeBron and AD there, and and the the Lakers are still going to be pretty good, uh, but they won't be in that tier of dominance that, you know, some some listeners are asking whether or not the Lakers can challenge that 15-1 mark that the the previous Lakers had put together. Uh, if, If none of those things work out in the Lakers' favor, that stuff isn't happening. The... The ways that the Lakers are going to be different offensively and defensively, it's like I said at the beginning a second ago, but but defensively is the place where it's the most notable changes. Last year's 
Lakers team, last year's champion, basically built their identity off of, all right, LeBron, you be LeBron and uh, guide our offense whenever we need you to, to guide it. Uh, AD, you be special on defense and, and, and fill in the gaps with where LeBron might need help on offense. And then all the other role players really focused on defense. This year, you're going to get a lot more from those role players in the form of offense. And what that looks like is going to be fascinating, uh, given the fact that this team did something that most champions don't really do. And and they changed up their identity. This is going to be a very different Lakers team this year than it was last year. And whether or not that is successful is probably going to decide this year's champion. The player whose trajectory is most impacted by this season, whether it's going to, good, going to be good or bad, AD could really vault himself into that best player in the NBA conversation in ways that he hasn't been there consistently for, for his career. He's always been in that kind of second tier, you know, five to 10 range or so. Uh, he, he could really, if he is as good as he could possibly be on both ends of the court and he messes around and maybe wins an MVP or something like that, or a defensive player of the year, he might belong in some of those best player in the NBA conversations that he hasn't been enough, uh, a big enough part in to this point, given his talent level. The other thing too, is if LeBron wins number five this year and takes another step towards Michael Jordan, you're getting into that range where it's going to be really difficult to, to make an argument that he isn't the best player of all time. Uh, lastly, the best guess on, on how this season ends, I, I would probably put money on the Lakers winning a championship this year. I just think it's the best team. They were the best team in the NBA last season. They had the best offseason of, of any of the teams, especially amongst the contenders because of the, the fiasco that uh, was Milwaukee trying to trade for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Maybe had they pulled that off, you're having a different discussion, but I think the Lakers really solidified themselves as the best team in the NBA. If they didn't extend the gap between them and whoever you think is second, and because of that, just heading it. Now, it's going to be a really weird season, so you know with how the league handles COVID and the injuries that come about because of the weird off seasons that all of these teams had. Okay. You could make, it's really hard to put a finger on who wins the championship this year, but if the NBA is as predictable as it, as it usually is, I have the Lakers going home with, with championship number 18, uh, to, or yeah, I think it's 18 to pass up where the Boston Celtics currently reside. That's going to do it, though, for this uh, season preview for Locked On Lakers. Make sure you guys are checking out all of the previews, not just in this preview series that, that we've put together, but the entire network is going to have you sorted out for whatever you need to know about your favorite team heading into what's going to be a, a fascinating and, and super fun season. They were one of the most exciting teams in the NBA bubble. Can the Phoenix Suns recreate that Orlando magic? Take it away, Locked On Suns. Brendan Clean here of Locked On Phoenix Suns. 
to preview the 2020-21 season from the Phoenix Suns point of view. I cover the NBA at Forbes, Dime Magazine, and SB Nation, in addition to the Locked on Phoenix Suns podcast. Happy to be here with you guys today. I want to run you through what to expect from the Phoenix Suns in 21. The biggest storyline for me this year for this team is changing the perception of the franchise, a team that has not made the playoffs since 2010, over a decade now. This is a franchise that had goats pooping in offices, Slovenian national team connections that did not bear fruit in the NBA draft and and led to them not selecting Luka Doncic. So they have not only been bad, they've been somewhat of a laughingstock in, in, in many ways around the NBA. And with the addition of Devin Booker in 2015 and his development, with the trade for Chris Paul, with the development of DeAndre Ayton and some of the other young pieces, this this year, this this season has the chance to change how people look at the franchise. And of course, a playoff run, you know, they're they're saying that that they feel like a championship is within reach in in the next several years with this core. In the short term, you have to focus on becoming a a respectable organization again. And that's just not what they've been. That's what's at stake this season. For the best case scenario to happen, DeAndre Ayton, 2018 number one overall pick, needs to improve. He was suspended for 25 games last year, missed another handful of games due to an ankle injury. His rookie season missed missed, uh, about 15 games as well with lower body injuries. So, of course, the shutdown didn't help him either. What needs to happen is that Aiton needs to be consistently dominant on both ends of the ball. He needs to improve as a shot creator, needs to improve as a rim protector, and needs to become more consistent. This is a guy who should be a routine 20 and 10, 20 and 12 kind of player, and, and a bona fide offensive anchor and defensive anchor for this team. That can happen with the presence of Chris Paul, especially. That can happen with the growth that he's made on defense, but for this team to be their best, that's what they need. They do not even have really a backup center on this roster. So he's going to be playing heavy minutes, a massive role. And of course, what he does this year is going to affect how we think about this team in the future as well. Worst case scenario is that they just don't have enough defensive talent. When you talk about this team, the offense has a chance to be really, truly special. Top 10, top seven offense with Paul Booker. They have a ton of shooting. They have Aiton in the middle. They have um, smart players, playmaking, a system that makes sense under Monty Williams. So it's going to come down to the defense. And I think Aiton is going to be key to the defense, but they don't have a ton of talent. It's not simple enough to just say Aiton, if he's good, they'll be good. It, you know, Devin Booker, not an elite defender. Cameron Johnson, their second year draft pick from 2019, not a very elite defensive player. Offensively, I think is where they'll have the biggest differences in how they play. Defensively, things will be pretty similar. Chris Paul, Ricky Rubio, fairly similar defensive players, pretty good defensive players. I don't think there will be much of a transition. I think Jay Crowder will help, but really it was about patching up guys that fit into how they already play defensively. Offensively, there will be a change. Ricky Rubio, needs to play fast because he cannot really create shots for himself, cannot create jumpers for himself, isn't comfortable playing that way. So you have to play quicker when you have Ricky Rubio on your team. They did so last year and did so to great success. A lot of games where Booker 
and Rubio were both high assist players, low turnover players, getting guys open, creating tons of three point shots for them, for their teammates. That's going to continue this year in a lot of ways, but Chris Paul tends to slow his teams down. They've been at around average in terms of percentage of possessions played in transition for dating back to his Clippers years. Uh, Paul does not tend to have teams that are high in pace. Uh, that's that give and take. Of course, you adjust your, your scheme if Chris Paul's on your team, but it's going to be an adjustment, and I'm curious to see how it materializes. I think they will slow down a little bit, but their offense could be better for it. DeAndre Ayton, to me, to return to him, that is the guy who needs to put up or shut up, <laughs> to put it uh, bluntly, I guess, this season. The career trajectory who matters most in 2021 for the Phoenix Suns. Third NBA season, he needs to show that he he needs to have his Bam out of bio season that we just saw from from Bam with the Heat in the bubble. He needs to have a season where he shows that he's an anchor on offense and defense. Needs to improve as a, a shot creator and all of those things so that he can can show the franchise that he is worth building around as a legitimate number two or one B to Devin Booker aside from whatever happens with Chris Paul. Um, Otherwise, we may start to hear DeAndre Ayton trade rumors. My best guess on how this season ends for this franchise is the sixth seed. I think if they can avoid the play-in games, that will be a massive success for a franchise that, again, has not been in the playoffs in a decade. That's where I would be shooting. I think it's within reach. I think they'll get it, if not even higher than that. Coming up on the Locked On NBA season preview, we hear from a team that hasn't made the playoffs in a decade and a half, a team that went from worst to first, and a team of rivals. Kings, Warriors, and Clippers up next. But first I want to tell you about Build Bar. Build Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And they've got an improved Build Bar that's even deliciouser, including six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, apple almond crisp. Oh my gosh, I'm hungry. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And here's the best part. Built Bars are healthy. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or lady. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and they're great for the keto diet as well. My wife loves these. They're my post-run snack. Check them out. BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all one word. You're going to get 20% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. And try that cookies and cream bar. Mm, It's good. Hi guys, Josh Lloyd here, looking at some fantasy basketball waiver wire ads across the Pacific Division in the NBA. We'll start with one of the LA teams, the LA Clippers, Ivica Zubats, I think is going to be the starting center over Serge Ibaka. I think he plays more minutes than he did last year. His ability to be a shot-blocking, rebounding, high field goal percentage center gives him great value in fantasy. And if he is on the waiver wire, which he will be in plenty of leagues, absolutely he is a name that we can have a look at and grab. For the Lakers, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, I'm not sure whether he's going to start or not, whether it's going to be him or Wes Matthews or Dennis Schroeder. Two of those guys are going to start. One's going to come off the bench, but 
We saw KCP take his game to the next level in the playoffs and his ability to be a steals generator, but a three-point shooter as well gives him some sort of part-time versatility in fantasy basketball. Not by all means a must roster or must hold guy, but on the waiver wire, there is some value there with KCP. In Phoenix, I think that Jay Crowder gets the starting nod, but that doesn't mean that Cam Johnson needs to be ignored. He was great in the bubble, showed a real improvement in his rebounding, an elite three-point shooter as well, was scoring the ball well. And if he takes those minutes off Crowder, which let's be honest, Crowder's not the greatest of players, Johnson has an opportunity to do that. And if he is available on your waiver wire, I think Cam Johnson's someone that we should be looking at. For the Warriors, it's tough to really find a great option there. But if James Wiseman has his struggles early, and if Kevon Looney is healthy, if Looney starts getting the bulk of those minutes, he's going to be a waiver wire guy. He's going to be someone to target. So he's not probably an ad at this point. He's more of someone we just have a, have a look at and we see how that rotation plays out, see how he looks on the court compared with James Wiseman. Because if they're playing him 25 a night to begin with Looney, then he will be that fantasy fu- uh, basketball option early on. And maybe it doesn't last all season, but at least for the early parts, there could be value there. And in Sacramento, don't let Rashawn Holmes slide through to the waiver wire. He needs to be drafted regardless of the presence of Hassan Whiteside. And then at starting shooting guard, I don't know what they're going to do, but I think that the situation is perfectly set up for Tyrese Halliburton to get a crack at that role. Buddy Heald seems to work better off the bench, and the Kings absolutely seem to believe that also. And if Halliburton, with his high assist and high steal rate and decent three-point shooting as well, if he can work his way into a high 20s minutes role with the Kings, that's going to be fantastic for fantasy basketball. So a name to watch there off the waiver wire uh, for the Sacramento Kings is Tyrese Halliburton. That does it for the Pacific Division in the uh, in the NBA's Western Conference. Thank you very much, Josh. Josh is going to come back and do waiver wire additions for each division, so make sure you listen to each of these Locked On NBA Season Preview episodes for that. Now we go back to Cali to visit a team who went from first to worst in the Western Conference. Locked On Warriors has a preview of Golden State's chances this season. Hi, I'm Wes Goldberg, host of Locked on Warriors and Warriors beat writer for the Bay Area News Group here to preview the Warriors season for you. Uh, the first question is, what is the biggest storyline heading into the season? Well, this is supposed to be the year that the Warriors were to reclaim their status as contenders in the NBA. Now, that has probably been derailed in the wake of Klay Thompson's injury. He tore his Achilles. It's going to sideline him now for the second straight full season. But Steph Curry is still here. Steve Kerr is still coaching. They've got Draymond Green. And there's a new look supporting cast around Steph Curry that includes Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, and the number two overall pick, James Wiseman. So this team has some youth, has some potential, has some athleticism. They're better than what they were last year when they went 15-50, and a league-worst record. So they're going to be better. The question is whether or not they'll be good enough to return to title contention. I don't think that they're going to be that good, but I think they'll, they should be good enough to get back into the playoffs. And at that point, they'll be in the mix and anything can happen. Now, as far as what needs to happen for the best case scenario to pan out, well, they need one of Andrew Wiggins or Kelly Oubre Jr. to step up and fill the void left by Clay Thompson. With Clay, well, you have a, a bona fide number two option on offense next to Steph. But without Klay Thompson, I don't know who becomes that secondary scorer for the Warriors. We know what Steph Curry is going to do, right? But Wiggins and Oubre, who, by the way, have the potential to score 20 points per game, just haven't done it efficiently throughout their careers. One of them needs to step up and become that sort of player. I guess my bet early on would be on Kelly Oubre. He's 
not because the stats jump off the page more than Wiggins, but he has more of that kind of scores mentality than I think Wiggins does. I think he wants to come out and establish himself as that sort of player, especially with him being in a contract year, where I think Andrew Wiggins is more than content to slide into a supporting role where all he has to do is make open jumpers, cut to the basket, and play some defense. So one of those guys is going to have to step up as a bona fide number two scorer. Defensively, the, the goal in training camp, the stated goal, is to build, to build a top 10 defense. Now, that's a big task for a team that finished in the bottom five in defensive rating in the league last season. But they did add a bunch of players since last February. Again, Wiggins, Ubre, Wiseman. You're getting Kavon Looney back and healthy. Draymond Green is healthy and motivated. Steph Curry, even though he's just maybe an average defender, is an elite communicator on that end. You, it has the makings of a team that could be in the top half of the league defensively. But top 10, that's going to take a lot of practice. That's going to take a lot of early chemistry building. I'm not saying it's not doable, but it's going to have to be done if this team is going to uh, reach the best case scenario of what is ultimately could be still a top four team in the West. Again, if Uber or Wiggins show up as the number two option next to Steph Curry on offense, and that answers a big question on that end. And if they can build a legit top 10 defense, then I see no reason why they can't finish in the top four in the West, probably behind the Lakers, Clippers, and Nuggets in whatever order. But as far as the worst-case scenario, that seems to me to be a little bit more likely than the best-case scenario because we're just talking a lot of big ifs here, right? Oubre and Wiggins, again, they have the potential. They just haven't shown it. Making And asking them to fill in behind Klay Thompson and be these uber-efficient scorers is going to be really tough. And I think this team is going to be able to get out in transition and score points that way. But when they get into these half-court sets, I think we're going to, it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a slog, especially early on in the year. You'll see a lot of Steph Curry and Draymond Green pick and roll on that end because that could be their staple play. They know what that is. But it's going to be a matter of guys like Uber and Wiggins and free agent additions, Kent Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker. Those guys are going to have to fill in spots around that offensively and figure out a way to manufacture points. Ubre has shown a little bit of a dose of shot-making ability. Wiggins has done the same thing. But they're not really those go-to scorers that you that you tend to rely on in isolation situations, at least not scorers that really good teams tend to rely on. Um, defensively, again, there's a lot of things there, and they're going to be relying on a, on a really young group of centers to, to bolster this defense early on. I think asking that of James Wiseman, despite him flashing all his potential – is a little bit too early, too soon. It's too big of an ask. Um, it's really not fair to him or fair to expect much from him um, as a 19-year-old. So I think if none of these ifs hit, then you're looking at a worst-case scenario that is still a playoff team. But it's Steph Curry as a lone all-star dragging this team into the playoffs. Um, like I said, this team is going to look different on offense and defense. Offensively, a lot of Draymond, a lot of Steph pick and roll, a lot of transition, a lot of uh, slashing to the basket, a lot of Steph by himself creating space for his uh, new teammates. Defensively, I think you're going to see a more jarring change. Steve Kerr used to rely on guys like Kevin Durant, Andre Iguodala, Clay Thompson, elite one-on-one defenders. He doesn't have that sort of player anymore, right? And so it's, he's going to have to rely on new team concepts, schemes, to really get the most out of this defense. I think you're going to see them... Uh, leave a lot of that man-to-man style defense 
and embrace a more modern approach to defense that involves a lot of uh, switching on defense, a lot of blitzing on opponents' pick and rolls, and, a, and maybe even some zone schemes, as we saw a lot more teams do in the playoffs um, in the bubble. So I think you're going to see a lot of that and ways to generate turnovers so that they can stay in the open floor on offense and avoid as many of those half-court uh, situations as possible. Uh, as far as the player whose career trajectory is most impacted this season, it always comes back down to Steph Curry. Uh, we could talk about guys like Oubre and Wiggins and Wiseman all day, but it's Steph's legacy that's on the line here. We know he can win championships as part of super teams, but now at 32 years old, he's entered a new chapter of his career. How far can he carry these Warriors? After missing most of last season with a broken hand, can he return to be one of the best five players in the NBA? Lifting the Warriors to unexpected heights this season wouldn't solidify his legacy. Okay, That much has already been done. But it could be more than a footnote in his career. It could bolster his claim as one of the greatest point guards in NBA history. Again, I'm not saying Steph needs this or even another championship to go down as one of the greatest players of all time. But when we talk about the greatest of the greats, every accomplishment counts. In the end, I've got questions about their offense, their youth, and their depth. I trust Steph, Draymond, and Kerr will do enough to establish a winning culture and get the most of this group. But this group still likely tops out as a playoff team that can win a first-round matchup. It'll be a fun season that sees the Warriors return to the playoffs, but they're probably a Clay Thompson return or another big trade away from reestablishing themselves as contenders for another championship. The last time the Sacramento Kings were in the playoffs, Jerome Bettis was helping the Steelers win a Super Bowl, Arnold Schwarzenegger was the governor of California, and SOS by Rihanna topped the charts. Who's going to rescue the Kings? Here's Locked on Kings with some answers. Sacramento Kings basketball is back, and after 14 straight seasons of the Kings missing the playoffs, unfortunately, we here in Sacramento are expecting that number to reach 15. Hi, this is Matt George, host of the Locked on Kings podcast and Sacramento Sports Radio host, and yes, we do not expect the Kings to be a playoff team this year. It's a new reset, a new regime uh, with General Manager Monty McNair and a new Kings front office in control. They've already made some significant moves, including allowing Bogdan Bogdanovich to sign an offer sheet with the Atlanta Hawks and walk for absolutely nothing, even though he was a restricted free agent. But it's a new system, a new identity here in Sacramento. It's annoying that we're hitting the reset button again here in Sacktown, but it is what it is. And even though there are low expectations for the Kings as a team this year, I do have high expectations for individual Kings players, and I'll explain those in a little bit. Yes, this is probably going to be a bad year for the Kings. I use air quotes there around bad. However, I will say there is plenty of potential for good to come of a bad season. The biggest storyline for the Kings this year is going to be the establishment of the new young core. I'm talking about De'Aaron Fox, of course, who just signed the max contract, Marvin Bagley, who needs to just stay on the floor, and the Kings 12th overall pick this draft, Tyrese Halliburton. Now, you could also, if you want, I guess, include Buddy Heald, into that core, Adrian Wojnarowski did when he uh, tweeted out about the Bogdan Bogdanovich offer sheet not being matched by the Kings. But I'm skeptical about that. Buddy Heald is going to be 28 years old by the start of this season. The rest of the Kings core is 23, 22 and younger. Those are the type of players that Monty McNair theoretically is looking for. 
And of course, we know that Buddy Heald has been rumored and very clearly has made it known that he's not necessarily the happiest player in Sacramento right now, and he wouldn't mind moving on. Now, Monty McNair did share in a recent press conference that both he and Buddy Heald, the Kings and Buddy Heald's camp are on the same page. So take that for what it's worth. But I'm still skeptical about the long-term relationship between Buddy Heald and the Sacramento Kings. So to me, the establishment of the new young core of Fox, Halliburton, and Bagley is the biggest storyline to pay attention to. Now, the best case scenario for the Kings has to do with two of those three players. That's De'Aaron Fox and Marvin Bagley. And that's the two of them playing together for a significant period of time. Now, more of that attention falls on Marvin Bagley, who still has not played 82 games, which is a normal full NBA season in his entire career. But Marvin Bagley, I believe, is going to have a bounce back season. And it begins with he and De'Aaron Fox just playing together and staying on the floor together for 60 plus games. The Kings are coming off of an injury riddled season for both Fox and Bagley. So the two of them staying healthy for the most part, playing 60 plus games together would be a phenomenal win for Sacramento. Now, the worst case scenario is not only the continued injury patterns for the Kings going back to last season, but it's also what I like to call NBA purgatory, where the Kings, and they've been in this position a lot, they win too many games to finish with good lottery odds for a top pick, but they don't win enough games to be a good team or in the playoff picture. Maybe they get the 12th seed and sneak into the playoff tournament, but nobody really expects them to actually make it. They're probably a quick exit. And then here we are with another 8, 9, 10, or even 11th pick in a solid draft in 2021. That would be a disappointment, a letdown for the Kings and Kings fans. We're expecting the Kings to get back to their fast pace. That's what Monty McNair and Luke Walton uh, seem to agree upon. The Kings want to play significantly faster than they did last season. However, they have added players like Hassan Whiteside to establish more rim protection on the defensive end of the floor. Now, we know the Kings have been bad defensively for what seems like ever, really since Doug Christie and and Chris Webber and Peja Stojakovic and Bobby Jackson were here in Sacramento. And I don't expect the Kings to be a good defensive team this year, but the addition of Hassan Whiteside and more rim protection, McNair says, is going to allow the Kings to play more aggressively defensively on the perimeter, and the Kings perimeter defense has been shockingly bad for really the past decade. So that's something to pay attention to. But also, McNair says he wants this Kings team to be more well-rounded. He wants this team to be able to match up with different teams in different styles. Now, I would prefer the Kings get to a point where they're forcing other teams to match up to them, but in this case, for this year, being able to handle playing a death lineup from the Golden State Warriors or Houston Rockets when they go small, and then the very next night being able to go toe-to-toe or at least close with the big bodies of Steven Adams and Zion from the New Orleans Pelicans. The Kings seem to be putting together a roster to have the versatility to be able to do that, which in the short term is certainly not the worst thing in the world. Overall, it's a make-or-break year for Marvin Bagley. That's the main thing for me to really pay attention to. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the floor? And can he remind us all, including us in Sacramento, why He was a number two overall pick. Now, will he ever live up to Luka Doncic? Maybe one day, but certainly not this season. But I do expect Marvin Bagley to get back to a point that a lot of people have forgotten about. And I encourage people on Locked on Kings, and I encourage you as well listening, go on to Basketball Reference or go back and look at the final month to month and a half 
of Marvin Bagley's rookie season. Now, the Kings didn't win a lot of games during this time, but look at the individual numbers for Bagley. It's almost a double-double on a nightly basis, showing that he's capable of putting up big numbers and having solid production in significant minutes. Now, hopefully down the road that translates to wins but as of right now if he's able to stay on the floor if he's able to put up those big numbers for the most part show that he can fit in with this king's young core that's really what makes this a make or break season for marvin bagley which is strange to say for a player in his third year but that's the reality if you want to be a part of this core that will hopefully be competing for playoff appearances and championships tomorrow you need to be available to play today and that is the key for bagley here overall Kings 14th, 15th in the Western Conference at the bottom of the conference is what I expect. I also don't imagine Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes will be on this Kings roster after the trade deadline. I believe Monty McNair and the Kings will be aggressive to try and move on from both of those contracts or at least one of them. I think Heald will be easier to move than Harrison Barnes, but you might be able to get rid of both. There also are some decent expiring deals on this roster right now that the Kings could turn for a profit, even if it's just a second round pick at the deadline itself. So we'll have that to pay attention to. But a bad year in the win column, A good year for Sacramento in terms of taking the right steps in another rebuild. Feels like rebuild number 10,022 here in Sacktown, but it is what it is. Hopefully this one can be the actual one to break this long playoff streak. It won't be this year, but that doesn't mean there won't be fun things to follow here in the California capital. Coming up on the Locked On NBA Season Preview, draft guru Chad Ford tells you which rookies to watch out for in the Pacific Division, and we have one team left, and they have one goal in mind, avenge last season's embarrassing postseason defeat. The Clippers, just ahead. I'm Chad Ford, host of Chad Ford's NBA Big Board Podcast, and these are the rookies to watch in the Pacific Division. It starts with the Golden State Warriors, who drafted with the number two pick in the draft, James Wiseman, the big man out of Memphis, who only played three games. But when you look at him at seven feet, he's an athlete, he blocks shots, he rebounds, he's excellent running the floor, and he's got some offensive game to him. He can stretch the floor a little bit, he can face the basket. The Warriors made a bet on a guy who might not be able to be a huge impact player for them now, but could be a major impact for them down the road. And he does fit a need for Golden State. And so I actually think that we'll see him on the floor, maybe 15 minutes a night, doing some stuff defensively, finishing a bunch of lobs at the rim. I definitely think that he could end up being the best prospect in this draft. It may just have to be a little while. You're going to have to be patient. The Kings got who I think is the absolute biggest steal of the draft, an Iowa State guard, Tyrese Halliburton, a guy who I had number four on my big board, slid all the way to 12 on draft night. I think it's a huge mistake. I think of all the players that were in this draft, he has the highest floor of any of those players. He just has such a well-rounded game. He sees the floor well. He's a good ball handler. He's got an unorthodox shot, but he really does shoot it well. He can defend multiple positions, has great character, plays with great competitiveness. This is a guy who I think is going to be an ideal fit in the backcourt next to De'Aaron Fox. I think they have their backcourt of the future now in Sacramento. 
know. I think you're going to love watching Tyrese Halliburton. He's not the sexiest player in the planet, but I think that he's really, really talented. And then you go to the Phoenix Suns, who I think surprised a lot of us when they took Maryland big man Jalen Smith at 10. This was a, like a small reach uh, for them. And I think they took a guy who they thought was going to be a good fit next to DeAndre Ayton in his ability to stretch the floor. One of the things about Jalen Smith is at his size, he can really shoot the basketball. He can also block shots and rebound. There are some questions about his foot speed and how he's going to be able to guard necessarily on the perimeter and his strength and whether he's going to be able to guard guys in the post. But offensively, he's a guy who can really get it done and he certainly can protect the rim. And I think that is why Phoenix went ahead and drafted a guy that maybe was a little bit safer bet but didn't quite have the high ceiling at number 10 in the draft. You've been listening to Chad Ford. If you are interested in the 2020 NBA draft or the 2021 NBA draft, Chad Ford's NBA Big Board is the place to go. Thank you very much, Chad. Chad is going to be back to do these profiles on each division, so make sure you're subscribed to Locked On NBA to get each of those episodes. The Clippers had hopes of becoming top dogs in L.A. last season, but they never even made it to the showdown with the Lakers. Here's Locked On Clippers with a look at this season's attempt at redemption. Hey, what's going on, folks? It's William the Opinion Updike. And I'm positive Chuck Bockler. And we are Locked On Clippers, part of the Locked On NBA Network. Yes! A couple of best friends and credentialed media people who bring you Clippers news. Somehow we made it. Uh, and anyways, there's a lot of news surrounding the Clippers this season. Oh, man. The biggest storyline for the Clippers is probably one of redemption. After blowing a 3-1 lead in a absolutely horrific but typical Clippers fashion, <laughs> the quest for a championship is still on. I think the Clippers can do it. We got Ty Lue, the new head coach. Everyone's very excited about that. Uh, will Kawhi Leonard step up where he needs to? Can, you know, things come together in the locker room? These are just some of the questions we're going to attempt to answer at Lockdown Clips. Best case scenario, personally for me, uh, no more stories to the press, and we start taking more threes. Start taking more threes would be great. I think defensively the team is going to need to make a jump, especially in the playoffs, which could go very, very wrong looking at the current construction of the backcourt, especially on the bench. While the team has made some additions, most notably adding Serge Ibaka to that second unit, there are still questions about how this team can defend in the playoffs. And of course, the worst case scenario is we have to play the Nuggets with a 3-1 lead. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, worst case scenario... I mean, more locker room tension. Maybe we don't have enough time to really get drilled down in Ty Lue's new system, which will thankfully be different than Doc Rivers. Uh, what's going to be different this year for the Clips is you're going to see more sets run. You're going to see more threes taken. You're going to see more ball moving from one side of the court to the other, as the great Corey Maggette would say. Yes, and hopefully with the addition of Ty Lue, we do see a greater take of accountability and responsibility from the players. This is a team that lacked leadership last year in the locker room, and hopefully we can overcome that. And obviously Kawhi is going to be at the heart of this. This is his legacy. This is a guy who you know was maybe indisputably the top one or two players in the league after that championship with the Raptors, and you know now 
some people don't even think the Clippers are contenders. Yeah, we got to dig ourselves out of a hole this year, one that we, you know, dug ourselves into for the most part. So that's going to be fun to watch. Um, Paul George is another person whose legacy is kind of getting battered around right now. So this is his chance to prove that he can take his game to the next level. Maybe try and really earn back that playoff P nickname that he did give to himself. Um, that should be noted as well. Uh, Ty Lue has a chance as well to kind of prove himself. A lot of people criticize that he could only really coach a LeBron team, given what happened his last stint in Cleveland. So it's going to be exciting to see how he responds to all of that. Best guess, what do we think's happening with the Clippers this year? I think that the Clippers will finally make their Western Conference Finals berth. Wow. And from there, it depends on who they're up against, and it certainly depends on what we're able to get out of that playoff rotation beyond the starting five. True. What is a playoff rotation? Another question that's going to be, right now, the over-under on wins for the Clippers is 46 and a half. Do you think they win that much? What seed do you think we go into these playoffs for? Because I agree with you. I think the Western Conference Finals is definitely on the table. There just needs to be those adjustments made. There needs to be more of a system under Ty Lu, And these guys got to learn it in a pretty short amount of time for a team that already didn't have a lot of time fully together last year. Yeah, well, given some of the issues in the locker room, winning solves everything. Very right? true. So I think that for this team to go into the playoffs in a good mindset with a locker room that is cohesive, I'm hoping that they're in contention for that two or three seed okay. uh, at the absolute lowest. But, you know, this is going to be another funky year. Uh, <laughs> we're going to see, you know, what ends up happening and, uh, you know, how we're going to be able to rest players as well as any other terrible things that might foresee the NBA. The backdrop of COVID is behind every team, but especially with the Clippers, it's a very health conscious team given what happened last year. We hope everyone stays safe and healthy. And I have a bold prediction for this. Okay. I think there's a chance that Avica Zubats is maybe in contention for most improved player. Oh, I like it. That's the boldest thing I've ever said in my life. I think it might be a possibility. I'm not saying he's a lock, but I think we're going to see some strides with him. Uh, I think him and Ibaka might be an interesting pairing at some point. It's going to be terrifying on the defensive end. A little weird on the offensive end, but I'm excited to see the jump that Avica Zubats can take after taking one last season. I'm ready to see Nick Batum reestablish himself in the league. What? I think that <laughs> on this deal, he has a chance with you know some of the best talent that's surrounded him to really show people what he can do as a playmaker on the wing. Hopefully, get his descent, his defensive step back, and you know maybe be in conversation for that Six Man of the Year award. I don't know if that's going to happen at all. What are the odds on that? Are they even giving those? <laughs> um, Kawhi Leonard, is there a chance he could be in the MVP conversation? Uh, I don't think so. Given what? I don't not think because Kawhi of him or because of everybody else. Kawhi Leonard will not be in the MVP conversation because of he has another superstar on the team. That's fair, and he doesn't have a good enough narrative. Very good point. We all love a good narrative. Well, some of us do more than others. Uh, you guys can catch us, you know, five days a week at Locked On Clips on Twitter. Locked On Clippers on this wonderful Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, you can follow Will. What is your Twitter handle again? At Will Lufdyke. Of course. Uh, I am at Charles Mockler. Yeah, we hope to catch you around. And if you're a fan of an Eastern Conference team and you want to switch over, what can they do? Uh, they can make the clip flip. Come make the clip flip over on Locked On Clippers five days a week. Now to close things out, we're going to the Rejecting the Screen podcast. They are looking into the future and predicting the headlines for each division. Adam, Noah? Take it away.
Here we go, rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov, Adam Stenko, our Pacific Division headlines of tomorrow. Mind centers around the Phoenix Suns, and it is one that I'm sure will show up at least in the Arizona Republic. Maybe it already has. Book it. Suns in the playoffs, thanks to Devin Booker. Suns haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. They've had one winning season since then. That was Jeff Hornacek's first year in Phoenix in 2014 when Remarkably, they made the playoffs, led by Eric Bledsoe and Goran Dragic. If you look at that roster and then think, wait, that team made the playoffs? That team would not be making the playoffs now, but they did back in 2014. It might be the 7, 8, 9, 10, so they might finish ninth and end up getting into the playoffs that way. Either way, we're going to get more Devin Booker, and that's a good thing. Devin Booker himself is a star offensive player. Chris Paul being there, it's cliche to say at this point, but it can only help him. Chris Paul is a dynamic leader when surrounded by the appropriate supporting cast. And I think this Phoenix cast is is a step ahead of where, and even two steps ahead of where OKC was last year. And you saw the impact that Chris Paul made last year. So we might end up getting... In that 7, 8, 9, 10, we might end up getting Zion, Booker, Lillard, John Morant in bonus basketball at the end of the regular season. So book that too, getting four of the brightest stars in the league at various points in their careers, but four guys who you can't take your eyes off of, we could get that 7, 8, 9, 10 to end the season. For me, I'm going with the obvious one in the Pacific. To be a champion... You've got to beat a champion. And yes, the Lakers are the defending champs. They also add Dennis Schroeder, Montrez Harrell, Wesley Matthews. So now all of a sudden, this team that looked dominant throughout the bubble, throughout the regular season, then the bubble, then the playoffs, actually got better. Not to mention, Golden State is going to be back. Not in the same way we're used to, of course, But you can't count out a healthy Steph Curry, Draymond Green. Plus, you throw in Andrew Wiggins, Kelly Oubre, James Wiseman, who is set to have a breakout season in the perfect role, in the perfect location. And you remember what the rookies did last year. Eric Pascal, Jordan Poole. They're not rookies anymore. They also had Ken Bazemore, Brad Wanamaker, even Nico Mannion to shore up that backcourt. And then we talk about the Clippers. And yes, it's easy to discount the Clippers. But they still have Pat Beverly back, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Marcus Morris. They add Serge Ibaka. Plus, Luke Kennard comes in, adds some extra shooting. And of course, Lou Will is still there. And so is Zublock. So you think about the teams at the top of the Pacific and you say, no matter what, a champion is going to have to go through them. One of them will likely either represent the West and if they do, I would assume they, they win the NBA title. Or someone's going to have to knock them off. And it's not going to be easy. So I don't care whether it's the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Clippers. To be a champion, you've got to beat a champion. Thanks for listening to the Locked On NBA Season Preview. We've got previews on all 30 teams coming soon or on the feed now, depending on when you are listening. Subscribe to Locked On NBA and your favorite team podcast if you haven't already. Stay safe, stay warm, enjoy the NBA season, everybody.